0: I have a recurring nightmare. I'm working in TV again as a host and anchor. That was my life for nine years and it apparently burned a strong psychological memory. I'm late for the start of the news show. The show starts at the top of the hour and I'm barely going to be there in time. On time would be in place at least five minutes early. I'm getting there. Just as the show starts, I'm not ready. I'm a bit out of breath, mainly anxiety. Pretty sure my forehead is shiny. Oh, I'll just get through it. Then suddenly, the nightmare gets dark. The prompter has broken. I don't know my scripts, and I'm on camera. Now, did this really happen? Sure a variation of it a couple of times. Ultimately, I got through those few moments. I did know my scripts or I managed to fake my way into the first piece of recorded video that we could play. But that nightmare, with very slight changes, I've experienced that, I would say, at least two dozen times. Even though my TV days are now 20 years behind me. Today, on Stories and Strategies, our most frightening moments in our communications careers. My name is Doug Downs, and happy to have two recurring guests on the podcast today, Jolene Ondrick in Calgary. Hey, Jolene.
1: Hey, Doug. Good to see you.
0: Good hear to see, you. Good to see you and hear you. Yeah, Jolene, you're an independent consultant specializing in culture and communications. You help businesses with culture assessments, plans, and implementation, communication strategies, and customized workshops, providing coaching to teams and leaders. And great to have you back. And Doug Lacombe, uh, joining from the Ottawa area, also second time on the podcast. Hey, Doug. Greetings. Uh, I'm in the booming
2: metropolis of uh, Bainesville, Ontario. So uh, roughly what I see is the St. Lawrence River and a bunch of leaves. Uh, but, uh, it's a beautiful day here in uh, beautiful downtown Bainesville. So there.
0: Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot of motorcades go through there, but it <laughs> probably the traffic light <laughs> flashes yellow for a little while when that's happening. It, it's right? where the PM stops for gas on the way to Montreal. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, Doug, you're a senior digital marketing and PR professional with 33 years experience in media, web publishing, software, publishing systems, telecom, and newswire services. You have a BA in psychology and an MBA from the University of Saskatchewan. So, I I mean, I'll, I'll throw it open here. This is about nightmares in public relations, and we've all had them. As I described off the opening there, that recurring nightmare that I honestly still have, the idea of the prompter breaking down, did that hit a thread for either one of you? Have you had something similar like that?
2: Oh man. Well, you know, it's funny because my first thought was this is like all my university uh, buddies uh dream or have nightmares about uh going to a final and not having studied or attended any classes. Yes. That's actually how I got through university, so that really didn't matter to me. I didn't have that nightmare. But uh yeah, when as soon as you talked about nightmares and even though it's not strictly uh PR related, in in uh, 2000 I was working for a software company in in California and, uh, we, we made, uh, I did product marketing for, um, uh, web publishing systems. Uh, this was a, a editorial and advertising newspaper systems company. And we went over to Amsterdam uh, to this, this big, big uh, trade show. I think it's uh, originally was a photographic trade show and then became all things printing. And, um, so we get to we get to uh uh amsterdam we go out for a couple of days for sales prep uh the equipment arrives uh and we come back to amsterdam so that we can go to the conference center and word gets back to us that um one of the the tech guys wonderful guy super talented but uh he inadvertently um copied the blank hard drive onto the the demo hard drive instead of the oh, reverse.
0: No.
2: <laughs> so we're left with these two blank hard drives and of course panic ensues and and we're we're all milling about like, you know, lemmings or something. And um so uh what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And uh Uh, At the time, uh, internet was way too slow to do a transatlantic uh, FTP. So we tried it a couple of times, couldn't bring anywhere near the data over. So we couldn't clone it, couldn't bring it over. So as it turned out, our CEO was coming over the next morning on the plane and uh coincident with all that was the fact that the company really needed money. We had a liquidity problem, and uh, so uh, we were looking for investors and There was this group of uh potential investors from Switzerland that were coming by at the trade show specifically to evaluate our advertising and and uh, editorial systems and with a brief nod to the web publishing system that I was in charge of. Uh, to assess whether they wanted to invest money in the company. And, um, so the CEO wasn't going to get there until an hour and a half, maybe two hours after these guys were showing up for their appointment. And so we had nothing but blank hard drives and dead monitors in the back and everybody's freaking out. Uh, and
0: they're like, well, Doug, you got to carry the football, uh, and were you presenting in Uh, English or were you presenting in a different language by the way?
2: No, these guys hardly spoke English. And so I had to trot out my like seriously brutal French. Uh, And the thing about my French, I mean, I worked in Montreal in 1987, so I had a little bit. But, you know, in that era, I didn't learn any computer words. So I don't know what Ethernet is. I don't know what I don't know any of the publishing word. I don't have the vocabulary to do this dog and pony in front of these Swiss guys. And, you know, one of them is like, uh, and they're so polite, eh? So European, so Swiss. They're like, uh, when do you think we might see the editorial system? I'm like, oh, that's after this web publishing thing, which is going to knock your socks off. uh, (laughs) And I strung it along and strung it along for 90 of the most painful moments. Thank God my deodorant worked because I was sweating like a uh, whatever. And uh, and and at the end of it, I said, "And now let's go see the editorial system." And these guys looked so relieved to be rid of me, <laughs> and I was so relieved to be rid of them. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I never tap danced so darn fast in my whole life. It was oh, wow. uh, it was a pretty intense little session, and uh, so we
0: went for <laughs> drinks later. <laughs> no kidding, lots big glasses. Jolene, how about you? Biggest nightmare um, that oh, you've had? Oh,
1: biggest nightmare, I think. How about the classic nightmare, which is the spelling mistakes? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I haven't had the classic communications one with the L missing out of the word public. Yes, that, I... That one has not happened to I me. I have. <laughs> oh... Many. Oh, it happens. And I think that giving ourselves a little bit of grace and I had, I was working for a company and we were going through a restructure. So imagine all the time, energy and effort placed into preparing for this restructure and the announcement of it and, and what was happening. And I was in charge of changing communications for this activity. And As communicators do, we write the messages for the executive vice president. And that was my job. And, of course, before he gets it, you have 8,000 people looking at this document, writing, rewriting, all of those pieces. He gives me his edits. I get him in, and we're good to go. We push the button. And then, (sighs) relief. Until the dreaded email comes in that says... There's a spelling mistake, Jolene, from the executive vice president. And you have that sinking feeling, right, of...
0: And this has gone oh, out already. This it's out? This
1: is gone. This is gone to the masses. So the sinking feeling of the spelling mistake. And you're thinking, okay, it's not really not that bad. So I open up the email and it says, look at the last sentence. It's all it says. So I'm like, okay, what did I do? So I open up the email. So this email is coming out of time of... People potentially getting laid off. This is the scenario and right. the situation happening. And the last sentence should have the word exciting in it. And it says, this is an exiting time. Yes. <laughs> For the organization. Why do these things always
2: have a second meaning? Like,
1: oh. I, and and of course. So here I am, mortified by this happening, new executive vice president. This is his first experience of my communication. So I'm on the phone with IT. What can we do to pull this back? How can we get this this email and fix it, figure this all out, email him back? And I say, hey, we have the ability to pull this back. Most people haven't probably opened this yet. Uh, We can pull it back. And he said, you know what, Jolene? Chalk this up to a learning.
0: Yeah. Ooh.
1: Oh, couldn't <laughs> believe it! Wow, I, I was awful, awful, and so I would go into people's offices, and they would have this email up on their bulletin board <laughs> with the word "exiting" highlighted, <laughs> highlighted. <laughs> like, you are so mean to me, and you know you've sent out stuff with spelling mistakes, and this one just it got me. It got I, me right I hear at you because so. I've
0: su- I've submitted resumes and gotten the job. Because I'm so good with pubic engagement. <laughs> I don't know how, but... Yeah, Can you elaborate
2: class. on which organizations
0: those <laughs> were? That's right. We need I a think list. we need to know what the role was. <laughs> I thought this interview was going a little, you know, crazy here. Sideways, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is, oh,
1: now I really am in horror.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and Doug, you oh, have man. one where something went out the door... <laughs> and it, it, it even more than really a news release, right? This, this had the securities commission and market yes. timing and all that. What happened there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, many years ago, I was working for a, a newswire company and, uh, uh of course uh with investor relations you get uh, financials and you get you know the news release about the financials and all that stuff well in advance and it's held in embargo so that it doesn't disrupt the markets and i i'm not sure if we were dealing with a brand new editorial system uh, down east at that time i i think it coincided with that but my memory's a bit foggy but um uh, somebody hit the wrong button basic human error not not you know not a crazy thing no no malicious intent and the french version of this of uh, petro canada's uh, financials um went out uh and showed on the website for like 20 minutes or something but it's it was only just the french short, version right nobody actually it, reads it, that do they it, ex- exactly <laughs> yeah except all of eastern canada exactly. and every reporter <laughs> and <laughs> And so uh, this gets picked up by this, this bilingual journalist. And so now of course it's hit the news and, um, I'm, and the markets are still open, right? The markets are still going. the, The markets are open. Uh, it's like mid afternoon. I'm in the Foothills hospital with my wife at the migraine clinic, trying to sort through like whatever migraine treatments. And my phone rings and uh, it's uh, a a good buddy of mine or who became a good buddy of mine. She uh, she was on the Petrocan end and she's like, uh, hey, uh, this thing happened. I'm like, what? And, you know, it had nothing to do with her and barely anything to do with me. But so now I'm pacing up and down the halls like one of these crazy praised executives you know on the phone what the hell happened with a financial release like i'm some kind of wall street somebody and i'm just freaking out and uh so yeah we had to we had to call the alberta stock exchange the tsx we had to call uh, like uh, all the regulatory authorities uh the newswire had to take accountability uh we had to get our president to visit their president i mean it it was so intense, uh, that I I can honestly say that was probably the one and only time in my career where I thought like I was scared. I thought, oh, this I don't does this involve
0: jail time? So, so, so then <laughs> oh someone has to look at the market impact too, right? Because bottom line is we have a system in Canada, as in a lot of countries, where financial information is released before market open or after market close to That's prevent right you know avid traders from making some quick bucks somebody has to review and put a dollar to what was the the dollar impact roughly what would be the dollar impact of of that kind of mistake are we talking tens of thousands hundreds of thousands more oh it could have been millions
2: right i mean uh, it, it, i think the 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 germane the math essentially is How much did the the actual results deviate from the expected results that the market had already factored into the pricing the previous day? And then you know was there a deviance and if there was you know then the calculus begins and that that could be in the tens of millions it could be whatever uh so you know in this particular case i recall that well first of all uh when we phoned regulatory authorities uh or um, regulatory affairs whatever they're called and said uh hey uh you know stop trading <laughs> and uh because uh yeah somebody could have taken advantage of what effectively amounted to inside information right and uh so yeah it it was a real big schmozzle and uh uh i mean thank goodness it didn't have a material impact on on petro canada stock or or you know their earnings or the market in general but but it caused enough kerfuffle and enough brand and reputation damage to the newswire to, to sting for a good long time. And, uh, uh, yeah, there was a big overhaul in operations uh, to put additional checks and balances in place after that debacle. Ooh. Yeah. It's yeah. the
1: mop and bucket. <laughs> it's
2: clean
1: ex- it up. Ex- our exa- favorite thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Does, yeah. does it, stuff keep you guys awake at night sometimes? Like, I remember when I get out of the media... And of course, my first role in PR was to be a media spokesperson, which was the model back then. You don't kind of do that much anymore. Um, but after I'd given an interview, even if I was a hundred percent confident, I hit my notes, there was nothing unexpected. I, I wouldn't really sleep well until the newspaper came out the following day. This, this is how old I am, but I would stay up. and <laughs> this is, is there stuff that keeps you guys awake with your heart just just pounding on a regular basis like that?
1: I think more for me is uh, the sage advice of experience not being taken, I think, is what keeps me up at night. Um, And I think of uh, a story of a simple little coloring book that got a little bit big. And the idea of... Yeah. So I was working for an organization that had uh, stakeholder relations as part of it. And what they created was a coloring book to keep... Kids busy at open houses. So pretty simple. You've got a coloring book. There was a dinosaur. So it happened to be an oil and gas company. There's a bit of a miss there. Dinosaurs aren't oil and gas. That's fine. They're it's not? a coloring
0: book. I thought plastic They're dinosaurs yeah. were, were... What?
2: I guess I can, <laughs> I can put my it. cauldron away then. I know since boiling That's those right. buggers up. Yeah, Can't
1: Forget that. Yeah. And so this coloring book is exactly what you would expect. There's a character inside of it that goes through a story. It is oil and gas related. There's rainbows. There's all those beautiful things what kids would get excited about. So this coloring book is inside of the organization and they had one for their conventional gas and one for their shale gas and had the character had a name and this coloring book ends up somehow being picked up in the blogosphere. So imagine this is 12 years ago when Facebook was just kind of getting started. We didn't have the social media that we had, but blogs were a big deal. So you had some influencers in the blog world and this coloring book starts to generate in the blogosphere as it goes around. And as all good big companies do, they have the, it's just a coloring book method and let's ignore it and it'll go away Mm -hmm. because it's blogs. Like what What could possibly happen there? So it starts to spin in the blogosphere. And then mainstream media picks it up, which means like your big TV news channels, your radio stations starts to pick this up. Game on. And lo and behold, before you know it, it gets picked up by the Colbert Report. So Stephen Colbert gets his hands on this coloring book. And spends a glorious seven minutes talking about this coloring book and how oil and gas creates rainbows and how all of these pieces are going on. And in the meantime, the company has pulled the coloring book from the website. It no longer exists, right? People have copies. Like, it's an old memory on websites. And the best part about what Colbert did is not only did he talk about the coloring book, but he added pages to the coloring book. And had what was happening to the coloring book. Somebody ends up blowing themselves up, going to heaven. It's this whole beautiful, like, just awful rendition of everything that you're seeing there. Just shaking your head going... Oh no, I can't believe it. And the news clips are it's just a coloring book and all of this non-serious stuff gets into the media and mainstream. Yeah. And it's it's one of those times as a communicator where you can see the end of what could possibly happen with this simple coloring book. And it just you just sit there saying, you want to say I told you so. But you're busy with the mop and the bucket. Some, somebody had,
0: because the coloring book, as you were telling that story, I'm thinking, that's actually a cool idea. Kids want to color, open house, you know, kids want to do stuff, occupy the kid. I thought that sounded great. But the point being, it was very maudlin-esque yeah. how they portrayed an industry that, that, you know, rightly or wrongly is in the crosshairs a lot, right? They they missed the point. Yeah.
1: Well, missed the point, And I think there's a missed opportunity too. I think from... A company perspective, when you think, how do we deal with risk communications or crisis communications could have been, hey, you know what? Oil and gas development is a serious topic. This is made for children. Let's have a conversation. We could have opened up the door and really invited people in to have this conversation versus hoping that nothing would happen with it. And and I think that's where that missed opportunity is, is how do we take something like this and slow it down or even stop it from getting into, you're not taking oil and gas development seriously. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. It's really not reading the room. And, and, uh, unfortunately, uh, not everybody is attuned to, you know, the ears of the public uh, in the way that uh, professional communicators are. And so, you know, you can tell them all you want, this isn't going to land well. And they're like, why? It's a coloring book. And it's, I can imagine the debrief meeting. We should have gone with the unicorn.
0: I told you we should have gone with the unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. uh, Horrible bosses. Cause Mm -hmm. everybody has a horrible boss story. And if you don't, if you've been a consultant your whole time, you definitely have a horrible client story. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, mine was, this is a while ago now. Um, I was working for a boss. I genuinely did not like, not only as a boss, there our personalities just didn't, didn't click well. And one day they were out of town and they called me, I guess I was sort of their right hand, which is problem one. Um, and said, Oh, that staff member, one of their direct reports, they wanted me to go for coffee with them and tell them they're fired. (laughs) And classy. (laughs) Well, so I did. And (laughs) the person I was conveying the news to did not take it. Well, they, they didn't get angry. They just got very upset at the news um, and had to just walk away. So AI was, more than a little upset at having to do this, which years later, I'm even more, that's wrong. That's unprofessional. Secondly, I, I kind of think my boss timed this on purpose because they didn't want to do it.
2: Oh yeah. That's a duck and cover for sure. And, and, and a cheap, cheap shot uh, to, to leave you holding the bag. Cause, uh, I've always thought, you know, in, in not, not that I've had huge leadership roles but in i, I thought you can look people in the eye and tell them what's happening and just be decent and honest and try and give them yeah. as soft a landing as you can and uh, and to to uh, basically subcontract that to somebody on the whim is uh just incredibly rude <laughs> it's like yeah wow yeah
1: and leaving you completely unprepared yeah i think yeah. for hey go deal with this it's going to be hard, but good luck.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, and I didn't yeah. really have the backstory to what precipitated all of this, all the little nuances and what about this and what about this. But uh, <laughs> let me
2: check yeah. my notes. You're fired because reason, reason, reason. All right, fine. Get out of here. Yeah. You know,
1: it's <laughs> <That's, laughs> so, You just send me an email. Yeah, it would have been better. That's right. <laughs> Exactly.
2: Fired by
0: email. Yeah. Wow. When that's the upgrade, that's brutal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> horrible bosses. Have you come across?
1: Too many I think is the, I think I've had some horrible bosses and I've also, I think, seen some, some horrible bosses. And, uh, one of them is speaking of email or telling people things that aren't quite right is, um, I know of an organization. So not, it's not a boss that I had. They were outsourcing their entire IT department to another country And the way that the entire IT department found out was the boss sitting in his car via a video chat, a video meeting, saying we're outsourcing the entire IT department out of the country oh. uh, and you're not going to have a job, FYI. And the worst possible way that you can tell people their job is changing or they don't have a job is that way. So yeah.
2: casual. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yeah. That actually, I, I, I was. That made me think. Just uh, of, of. Uh, I guess I must have had PTSD and suppressed this memory until just now. But uh, I was uh, one of the uh, the lucky folks that got into uh, what was affectionately referred to in Saskatchewan as uh, as uh, Black Friday. Um, in the uh, the newspapers uh, I was working at the Saskatoon Star Phoenix at the time and it was shortly after um Conrad Black and uh, and David Rattler or Rattler as we like to call him uh, uh took over the newspapers and um they they did a mass firing and the way that they did it was they called us into a meeting on uh Saturday which was clearly unusual and we all had to go to the uh, the Delta Besbro And it was all set up like conference style. So, you know, here's a table uh, for people with last names A to M and then, you know, N to whatever and so on. So you go up to the table where, you know, in my case, the L's were and they're like, "Okay, you're in ballroom three or whatever. There were four ballrooms. And uh, so now you're in this ballroom. And of course, your spider sense is tingling like crazy. And you're trying to figure out, am I in a loser ballroom or am I in a good ballroom? (laughs) Room <laughs> and, and uh, it, so uh, uh, and at the time, uh, there it was a very um family oriented newspaper, I guess, and so there were a lot of uh siblings and cousins and 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 children and parents working at the paper, and so even if you didn't lose your job, somebody down the hall was probably related to you, and and so there was a lot of a lot of drama, and uh, anyway, so I, I'm in my room. With uh, whatever it was eighty ninety other people or something and uh, and, and uh, they they tasked this poor production manager great guy good friend uh, to get up there and I mean it you could see the pain coming off his face in having to say this and uh, so he read the script that he'd been given and had you know been forced to, to deliver and uh, there was silence for like it felt like 10 minutes but i'm sure it was 30 seconds and then sign up finally somebody at the back of the room asked the what to the rest of us was the obvious question they had not made it clear if we had lost our jobs or not and so he, it's like the one lone voice from the wilderness is like oh. so do we have jobs <laughs> And They're like, oh, oh yeah. Everybody in this room is good. And It was like, oh, and then it's like, oh shit. Well, who are the victims down the hall? Oh, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> it was so intense. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, that was a, a oh, serious a terrible... shotgun approach
0: that uh, <laughs> Conrad Black was famous for. Just real quick, as we're short on time, what from? So from these stories, you know, whether it's it, it's an exiting day at the company or, <laughs> or pubic relations or or the the uh, financials that are released during the market hour what what do you now that we're these are a bit behind and, and who knows what's ahead everything's gonna be okay what 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 do you take from all of that jolene first to you
1: i think it's stuff happens and you can prepare you can have people read things you can go through a lot of things and it happens And I think the piece is, A, giving yourself some grace that these things happen to the best of us, and B, having a plan to how can you clean this up and fix it up? Because inevitably, something is going to happen that you have to figure out. And and trying to be more adaptable and, and flexible about how you can focus and approach these things, I think, is the best way for any of us to really think about. Yeah, stuff happens. How am I going to deal with it if it does? And just preparing yourself.
2: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, to, to em, embellish that really or to add to it is is just humanity and transparency and have a moral compass, right? I mean, it's nobody likes firing anybody. Nobody likes getting fired. Uh, you know, nobody likes leaving the L out of public. Uh, you know, it's, it's, unless you're super weird, that doesn't, isn't done on purpose. Uh, so, you know, it, it's really give people a little bit of room to breathe and mop up uh, gracefully and, you know, carry on. Um, yeah. Occasionally, you know, like, like the, uh, the, the Black Friday story, um, there are organizations and people within those organizations that are just wired a different way and they're never going to be transparent and have a moral compass and so on. And so then you just choose, do I want to be anywhere near these people or not? And that's a whole other movie, but, but yeah, I think, uh, the human endeavor is fraught with error. So we just have to accommodate that. It's the reality of life.
0: Well, thank you both. Second time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming back on. Happy Halloween. Pleasure. Always. Uh, wow. Thank ah, you. Oh, oh, yeah. Spookiness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to send a message to either one of my guests, Jolene Ondrick or Doug Lacombe, we have their emails in the show notes along with their website and a link to the previous episodes that they've been on here with stories and strategies stories and strategies is a co-production of jgr communications and stories and strategies podcasts if you like this episode would you do us a favor and tell one friend thanks for listening